Get your Bibles out. to move up if you wanted to do that at this time. Fill in the gaps. If you don't want to, then just stay where you are. <laughs> but it would be great. We could get a little closer. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Looking forward to this weekend, Brother Edwards being back with us, and I am expecting great things. Amen. I, I have um, felt the comfort of the Holy Ghost and the Lord uh, just letting me know that we're right where He wants us to be. That's where I want to be. Amen. <clears throat> For the last few weeks, my brother filled in last week for me and uh, continued along a similar vein that we've been exploring. The book of Colossians, the, third, the fourth chapter, verse number five has been our stepping off point. I want to read it to you again tonight. Read verse number 6 along with that. But I love what Paul said concerning us. That we would walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Walking in wisdom, not just toward those who were without or outside the body, the church, but every day our life is governed by a principle that Uh, when it is based in the right place, will produce great blessings. And so we're going to continue tonight talking about wisdom's walk. And you may be seated. um, I've been fascinated by this statement by the Apostle Paul. And then when I began to go through and examine how many times uh, in the New Testament Paul referenced wisdom, uh, Paul writing to the Colossian or the Corinthian church, the word wisdom shows up many, many, many times when he contrasts the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God and what they each produce and what they have brought about. And on throughout uh, his writings, that word comes up again and again. And James perhaps penned the most beautiful and eloquent description for us of what wisdom looks like, true wisdom that is from above, that higher realm of wisdom, godly wisdom, and what it produces and what are the fruits of those uh, of that wisdom in our life. But <clears throat> I have been so impressed with that statement, walk in wisdom. And when I, when I read that a few weeks ago, I was impressed with the thought of what does that look like when we are living wisely? How? What are the evidences in my life that I am living skillfully is another word that we could use for wisdom. When we talk about wisdom in scripture, it talks about the skill for life or living. So what is, what does that look like in just everyday living? 
What are the evidences in my life that I am being led by that which is from above, that I am being influenced by a spirit from a higher realm? We, we talk about what the word walk means and it does not speak of just the movement of our feet, but it speaks of how we live and how we behave ourselves, and ultimately what influences our life. The influences that uh, push us in one direction or the other. And Paul or James uh, let us know along with Paul that there were higher and lower realms of wisdom, that uh, there are influences that come from two different realms. And it's important that we are we are influenced by the right thing. And when I began to examine what this higher wisdom uh, entailed, I began to understand that it became or becomes the way and in which I view life or the way that I approach life or people or situation that that wisdom is the forming of plans and using the best plans that are available for accomplishing God's will in my life and that is that I live successfully and I be an overcomer God's desire for all of us it is It is the ability, when we are talking about wisdom, it's the ability to judge correctly and then to follow the best course of action based on that knowledge and understanding. And when we walk in wisdom, we are talking about a life that is shaped and controlled by the highest principles, those that are found in the Word of God. Now, there are a lot of great books that have been written throughout the history of mankind, and there there is much wisdom that can be found in different men's writings, but the highest wisdom comes from God alone, because He is the creator of all things. He is the creator of our lives and the way we're made and the reason that we have the personality and we have all of the faculties that we do is because of the wisdom of God. And that if we want to understand how life works best, how it works at its optimum level, then it's important to go back to the originator of that life. You know, you drive a Ford, you don't take it. I've told you this before, but you don't take it to a Chevy dealer to get it work. You might could. They they might work on it. But you go to the Ford dealer because they're the one that built it. They're the one that put it together. They know why everything works the way it does so it will run properly. So if we want to know how we can live life at the very best, at the most optimum level, then we have to go back to the Creator. We got to go back to the one who spoke this world into existence and then, then, then created mankind in His image. And the Scripture said, made man a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and So many other things that are there to help us live life to its maximum potential and to be, to live a life that is fulfilling not only in this world, but in the world to come. And it takes wisdom to, to uh, reach for those higher things because our nature is not that way. Our nature is earthly. Our nature is carnal. And it is constantly being influenced by this, this human element. And so we, we have to be aware that 
Wisdom is something that has to be sought. It's not something that we're born with necessarily. I understand some of you are much smarter than I am. I accept that. You would probably score a lot higher, but that's not what I'm talking about. Just because you are smarter than someone else doesn't mean you're wise in the ways of life or how to live life best. And so James said, if you lack wisdom... Ask for it. So that indicates to me that wisdom is not something that I am born with. It's something that I have to seek after and that I have to desire. And I have to understand that there are two levels of wisdom. There is the wisdom that is from below. He talked about it being devilish and uh, it's evil and it's it, it causes strife and friction and confusion, and and James said it produces every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is what? Pure, peaceable, easily to be entreated, amen, gentle. And that's, that's the kind of wisdom that works best. That's what we're seeking after, and if we can get our hands on or we can we can incorporate those principles of his word into our life that that are wise uh, then then we will find that life is so much more uh enjoyable and we 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 should be able when we are when we are living under the right influence we should be able to preach a sermon Without words. If we are living wisely, if we are living biblically, if we are living scripturally, then we should be able to live and preach a sermon without ever opening our mouth. We should be able to preach a sermon by the life that we live and what is manifest, our spirit, our character, our attitude, our conduct. Our conversation, all of that reflects something of a higher realm. And when we are walking in wisdom or we are walking wisely, it will be reflected in our character, in who we are as an individual. It will be reflected in our conversation, the things that we talk about, the words that we use to express ourselves. And it will be, it will be seen in the, in, in the, the companions that we have in our life and the relationship that we develop. When we are walking in wisdom, it will affect every strata of our life for good. Amen. And when we are walking in wisdom, we are taking the truths of God's word and we are applying them to our decisions and to our daily task of the things that we meet in everyday living. We are taking the principles of the word and we're applying to all of the human situations that we encounter in our earthly journey. And so James said, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. Ask And God will give liberally. He will not chastise you for asking for wisdom. And that's what I have asked for more in the last few years than in my entire walk with God. I need more wisdom. Because the older I get, it doesn't get easier dealing with your flesh. Matter of fact, the older we get, the more sometimes we justify our Actions in the flesh because, you know, we've lived long enough to do that. One of the things that I noted about my sweet father-in-law before he passed away, that he lost a filter in his life. When he was younger, sometime, I mean, his words would be cushioned, but the older he got, the less cushioning, cushioning there were in his words and he could be, uh, he, he could be very direct. And blunt. And I would think, oh, that's just not dad. That doesn't, 
And then I, I, I guess I, I come to realize, and he mentioned one day, I've lived long enough that I can, I can be that way. Well, what that tells me is the older I get, the sweeter I don't get. <laughs> and so if, if, if my life is going to be instructive to others, if my life is going to be an epistle that's read of all men, I want to make sure that what they're reading is not contradicting what he has said. Amen. And so that takes a lot of work. It's not something that you're born with because I, I don't know, maybe you have different flesh than I have, but my flesh still wants an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. My flesh still wants to get back. My flesh still wants to respond in kind. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. It's hard for me to understand sometimes that what needs to motivate me and nurture me is a higher law that says pray for them that despitefully use you. If they ask you to go a mile, don't just go a mile. Go a second mile. If they ask for your coat, give them your cloak also. That's, I don't know about you, but that's a daily challenge for me. Because as I said a while ago, my, my lower nature just doesn't like that. And it's not natural for me. It's something that I have to work on. But the rewards of living wisely can be written throughout the word. I mean, I, I, I went through earlier and I just copied down every scripture in the New Testament that had the word walk in it and what it indicated. And there was, there was many of them that were mentioned about how we should walk and how we should not walk. And then you go put the word wise in and there's a hundred other scriptures that pop up. And then you go to the book of Proverbs, which is known as wisdom literature, and it begins with it and it ends with that. The principles of a higher way of living and contrasting them at times with that lower nature that often comes out in man. And he shows, he, he uses a lot of contrast in Proverbs that this is the way it, it is sometimes, but this is the way it ought to be. And so many times the word life, L-I-F-E, is connected with wisdom or living wisely. So I don't know about you, but I am interested in living life the best way. I, I, I don't, I don't like headaches. I don't like having to run into the same wall over and over because I'm not learning anything from God or learning anything from life. I want what I go through to produce something in me and, and, and that, that is of a godly nature. And the reason that that can happen is because the right kind of influence is operating in my life. Amen. So the reward for living in wisdom is, as I mentioned a while ago, the best life. Because God created it. He knows how it works best. He knows that vengeance doesn't work for me. He, on the other hand, is an all-wise and all-knowing God and so vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because he's the only one that really knows how to meet that out according. I don't know how to do that. Man, my flesh, I mean, it's, it's just a, you know, it goes back to that old adage. Uh, you can push me, but just don't push me too far. And so there's some things that I have to make sure that are not the motivating factor in my life. So I, that I'm not deceived into living a lower life or a lesser life. And so I need discernment. I, everybody say discernment. Anybody need discernment? 
You need to be able to weigh out the principles and figure out which one's the right thing to do, which one's not the right. And, and the, and the trick is sometimes wrong looks right because the way the world presents it, the way Satan will craft it in, he, he will justify the ends or the means to get to the end. And so I have to have discernment. I have to be able to look at it and weigh it and try to get to the spirit that is behind it. And when I do, I am going to be able to discern between right and wrong because the the, the prophet of old said there was a day when they would call right wrong and light darkness and darkness light. And that's kind of where we are right now. We live in a world that's that confused. And so I've got to have discernment. I, I want to know what pleases God. I want to know what pleases God. I want to know what constitutes sound doctrine. Amen. Because I don't want to be taken in by some subtle heresy. And the interesting thing about heresy is, It always comes with a pleasing sound to the natural ear. Amen. What's right and what's proper in life. There are some things that I may have the privilege of doing, but I don't need to do them. Paul said it. He said, I can do whatever I want to do, but I've learned that there's some things that are not needful. They're not good for me to do. They The outcome is not going to bring me closer to God. It's going to take me more in alignment with that carnal man. Amen. How should I conduct myself in a world that has no rules? How should I live in a culture where there is no right or wrong? Everything is in the eye of the beholder. That's the culture that we live in right now. And the longer we live, the more those walls are being torn down and everything is right in his own eyes. And out of that, if you read the Old Testament, you find nothing but confusion and trouble came when men lived like that. But that's why our world is in such a mess. But I'm living in that world. And so if I'm not careful, I can be sucked into that, that influence that I, as a born-again child of God, am actually being influenced by the wrong things. And I am being influenced by the wrong spirit, the wrong attitude. So how, how should my mind think? What, what, what should occupy my thoughts? He said, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Obviously, Paul was trying to get them to see there's other things that your mind could be occupied with, but let this be what occupies your mind. What is the true character of a child of God? What does it look like? And how... Do I conduct myself at home, in the workplace, in relation to other believers, in relationship to those that are not in the church? How do I conduct myself? All of that is found in the Word of God. And it all has to do with walking wisely. And if you go, you'll find a common thread that is woven throughout the New Testament when it begins to talk about the walk of the child of God and what should influence my walk. And I found that true in in Colossians. When I first read this scripture, I did not realize how many times in Colossians that Paul referenced wisdom. But he begins in chapter 1, and if you'll open your Bibles and turn there, we're going to take a real quick journey through Colossians because there is this theme there is this thread that he weaves through the scripture and as he does that he 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 contrasts the way the world acts and the way the world responds and the way you and I as a child of God should should live and respond and so in first 
in Colossians chapter 1. He said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. And the word all there means every kind, everywhere, at all times. Wisdom. That your hearts, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then he goes on to some other things, talks about the preeminence of Christ and the church and he is the head of the church. But then before he gets through, he goes back to that thought of wisdom. And so when you get over into chapter two and you get down toward the end of, of Colossians chapter two, he goes back and he contrasts the way the world is functioning and the way they're responding and the way that you as a child of God. And so you pick up, uh, uh, let's see, let, let's talk about verse 19 of chapter 2. He said, in not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth into, or with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, there is that contrast that we are dead from the, the, the basic uh, influences or the basic nature of the world, the rudiments of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Again, he, he contrasts what, 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 what a man should be trying to reach for versus what is being pushed and promoted in the culture in which they live. And so there's this commandment of man and the doctrine of man. Verse 23, which, which things have indeed a show of wisdom. They have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. And humility and neglecting of the body. Do you see how closely some of these things in the world parallel the spiritual life? That if you're not careful, if you're not in tune with God, if you're not connected to the Word of God, you can think that what I'm, what I can think what I'm doing spiritual. It's, it's godly when in fact it is just man. Amen. And so he talks about which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. I mean, it goes to a great extent to show you how deceptive the wisdom of man can be. It looks like it, but it's not like it. And so he goes into chapter 3, and he begins like this. If you then be risen with Christ, he's drawing a contrast now. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Amen. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections your emotions, your mind, your desire, your thought on things above, not on things of the earth. For we are dead and your sin or, and your life is hid with Christ in God. He goes on to talk about mortifying the members of this earth, the, the fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. He names and lists a number of things that are manifest in our in our flesh from time to time. Uh, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in whom you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now. Everybody say, but now. But now. You have put off all these things. And then he names them. He gets a little more specific. He gets past these generic terms and he talks about the stuff we really wrestle with. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, as the chosen of God, the call of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. You know what that means? Forbearing one another? That means putting up with me and my little idiosyncrasies. It's understanding that I am still a work in progress. Now, I know, I know some of you are far beyond me spiritually. I understand that. But please, don't ever get to the place that you look around at people and you start judging them. Well, you know, I've been living for God longer than anybody around here. Or I've been living for God longer than they just got started. He said, if you are going to be influenced by that which is above, the wisdom that is from above, you're going to, there's going to be a forbearing that comes with this. You're going to, you're going to be able to put up with some things. You're going to be able to overlook some things because you're not the judge anyway. I am the judge. I will determine the end. So forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Why? Because the Bible says offenses shall come. It's not a maybe. It's not, well, you know what? Every once in a while it's going to, you are going to be offended. Somebody. Somebody's going to step on your toe. They're going to walk past you and not shake your hand. They're not going to speak a word to you. They're going to act like you don't even exist. And he said, you're going to have to learn how to forgive one another. Remember that we're all still in the same boat. Amen. We're all battling the same thing. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, a complaint. You ever had any complaints about anybody in the church? They make too much noise. They worship too loudly. They're too demonstrative. They get on my nerves. He said, forgiving those you have a quarrel against or a disagreement, even as Christ Forgave you. What did God have to get past to get to me? What did he have to forgive to be able to embrace me? I don't even want to go there. Because it's not a, it's not a pretty picture. But that's all of us. He had to go a long way to bring all of us in. He had to die a cruel death for sin, big or small, 
doesn't matter how you categorize it. He died for all. For God so loved the world. Not your world or not my world that is antiseptically clean with only the people that I want in it. But God so loved the world that he gave that whosoever will. Amen. Aren't you glad that word's in the Bible? Because that includes us. That includes me. If he had not put that word in there, then I would have been eliminated. Because I know that God could have found just cause not to have forgiven me. But because he loved the world, he gave me the opportunity to experience his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace, even though I don't deserve any of it. And so because I have been forgiven much, I should be the first to forgive others. I know I'm just preaching to myself tonight. I know all of you. I see some of your halos. They're a little tilted right now, but I see them. No, I'm just kidding. But the fact is, we all. He said, but as he forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, most powerful word in Scripture. It's impossible for me to describe in my limited vocabulary the love of God. And yet, he's asking me to put on charity, which is the Bond of perfectness. It is the glue of maturity in my life. That when his love shines through me, then it holds everything together. And he goes on and he says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the, the phrase means let it be the umpire of your soul. What is going to determine my happiness? The peace of God. Not my circumstances, not what my boss said to me, not what my neighbors did to me, not what somebody said about me, not what they put on Facebook. That's not what, that's not what gives me what, a sense of worth. But let the peace of God be the umpire. Let the peace determine how I respond to life and the things that happen to me. Amen. I'm going to get there, hurry. I'm trying. Let the peace of to the which also you are called in one body. And then be you thankful. This is this is that higher realm of wisdom. Be thankful. And then he says it, he he sums it all. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So here's how we need to be relating to one another as the body, as his children. Not pointing out our failures, not harping on our annoyances, but he said, teaching and admonishing. The word admonishing means urging or inspiring in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. I wish I knew how to explain that little phrase, singing with grace. I, I, I need to go on, but I really do wish that I could capture the full meaning of that phrase, singing in grace. 
How many of you are just thankful that you're here? Of all the people in the world, and here I am. And of all the things that God has done in my life, of which none of them I deserve, I cannot help but be thankful. But I want my worship. I want my singing. I want my praise to be with grace. I don't want to come in like the Pharisee. God, look who showed up today. Did you notice who came to church? And God, just in case you weren't aware, I give alms to the poor. Yeah. And over in the corner, there was this publican. Didn't have the courage to lift his head, but he bowed his head. He beat on his chest in a different way. Oh, God, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be here. One of them was singing with grace. One of them was worshiping with grace. One of them was just worshiping, if you could call it that, with arrogance. Amen. You know what? Every time I come in this building, first of all, I want to be so thankful that I have the opportunity to be here. Second of all, I want to be thankful that I get to hang out with people like you. You're the best people on the face of the earth. Sometimes... We don't understand how blessed we are to be in the family of God, to be blessed. Some There's some people that don't even have a family outside the church. This has become their family. And the truth is, I love being around you as much or more than I love being around my own family. Amen. I want to always be that way. Amen. I'm, I'm, I understand that there are grievances that come from time to time in people's lives, but I don't I don't ever let my life be governed by grievances. I want it to be governed by grace. Amen. I want to go the extra mile. I want to reach out to people that don't deserve me reaching out. I want to pray for people that don't deserve me praying for them. I want to go reach out to them and love them when I know they've been talking about me this week. Some of you don't believe that happens to a preacher, but people talk about preachers. And they do it on Facebook. They do it subtly. They, you know, they don't call you by name, but it, it doesn't take a, an intelligent person to figure out what they're getting at. You know what I've tried to make a habit? The people that are trying to hurt me the worst are the ones I want to get the closest to. Somebody told me a long time ago, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And I've tried to practice that. I've tried to make that a rule that I live by. I'm not going to let you get mad at me. I'm not going to let you hate me. I'm not going to let you treat me. I'm going to treat you with so much love that it's going to embarrass that person because they have been so carnal in their action. That's grace. I'm not saying I do that all the time, but that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I want influencing my life. Not an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, but I want to embrace people that don't deserve being embraced. I've got news for you, church. Brother Edwards has already said it, but the Lord had already spoken this to me before he ever got here, that God's about to bring some people into this church that's going to take a whole lot of Holy Ghost for some of us to accept. And I tell you what God spoke to me. When I, when he said that, he also brought to my mind two or three people. And he said, I want to know. Will you be rejoicing when they bow their knee in an altar and repent and pray through just like you were rejoicing over somebody else? And I have to be honest with you. I had to, I, I struggled with that. I had to pray for a while. It's not easy, but I'm just telling you that the mercies of God are so great that none of us are ever going to understand them. And God gives people first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, six out. He, he just goes overboard in giving men and women an opportunity. And it has been my experience in God that he is not willing that any should perish. 
but that all should come to repentance. Now, I don't think we really understand what that all means, but I'm just here to tell you that somebody's going to walk through those doors back there in days to come that's going to test your faith. It's going to test my religion, if you want to call it that. And the truth is, in order to do that, I've got to have wisdom that's from above. Because that's not in my earthly realm to be able to do that. It's not within my human capacity to do that. I have to be influenced by that which is from above. I have to let His Word seep into my mind and let it fill my heart so that when I begin to act, what comes out of me is not a human reaction, but an action that is governed by the Word, that is governed by the principle, that is governed by the love of God, that is governed by the grace of God, that is governed by the mercy of God. That when I began to move among people, that I don't even have to say a word, that my life itself can testify to them. Of the love of God. I have come to this conclusion in life. If I have to tell people that I love them. I probably have failed. Because they need to see my love. Before they hear my love. Amen. I don't know if you came for this tonight. But we're talking about wisdom's walk. This is what walking in wisdom looks like. Amen. And I have to admit to you that. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily battle. Amen. You see, it's possible to have the letter of the law, to know all of the these and thous and the do's and the don'ts, and not have the spirit of the word. And the Bible said that the letter, what does it do? It killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. I want to make sure that my letter has spirit with it. We have always lived in a political system. As far back as man history goes, I think you can trace some kind of, of political uh, workings of man. But it seems to me that in generations past, especially in our movement, I'm just being candid tonight, in our movement, there may have been political elements that were a part of our movement, but the men were spiritual enough They were deeply spiritual men that counterbalanced that political atmosphere. Organizations produce political situations. But they had such deep spirituality that it kept that political mess in check. But we have come to the day where we're still political, but we don't have the spiritual depth to keep that balanced. And that's why... Some things happen and we were, it's what, what, what James said that where strife or envy, the word strife means electioneering. When I am politicking for an office, when I'm getting you to vote for me over somebody else, that's, that's that wisdom that is from below. That's earthly wisdom. And this is what I'm praying. God, Help me to recapture the spiritual depth of our forefathers. Because what produced our movement in, in America, what brought together our organization, it's not a perfect organization. And I understand that tonight. But it's the best thing going that I know of. And beside that, if it wasn't the best thing going, I, I still want to be connected to it because of its roots. But I want to capture the spirit of men like 
Urshan and Brother Kilgore and C.P. Kilgore and those men who had such depth of character that even though there were elements of humanity that showed up from time to time, they were not the things that were highlighted in their life. And because of that, they left a legacy that's worth being talked about. That's what I want. Amen. I'm not there yet by any stretch of the imagination, but that's what I want. I'm going to close. So why follow wisdom's path? Because it brings us in harmony with God and His will and His plans and His purpose. When we follow that wisdom which is from above, and that becomes the path that we walk, that becomes the life that we live. It brings us into harmony with God's will and His Word and His plans and His purpose for my life. And I can enjoy life and I can be blessed in a far greater way in that capacity than any other that I know of. It also brings me in harmony with you. Amen. It helps me to be in agreement with you and you being in agreement with me because we're different. We're different. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you know what? You're different. (laughs) You are. You're different. But we don't fight about our differences no more than you do that in a marriage. You celebrate your differences because your differences and that diversity is what gives you a broader scope of vision. I'm thankful that everybody in this church isn't like me. And I'm thankful they're not all like you either. Because it takes balance. It takes a little bit of every kind of personality. But when I am living by these principles, and and let me just... Very quickly, go back to what Paul said in Colossians 4. He said, walk in wisdom. And then he, in the next verse, he shows us what that kind of walk looks like. He said, let your speech be always with grace. Let it always be with grace. Let your words not be cutting and sharp and mean and vindictive, but let them be full of grace. Seasoned with salt. My words need to have some, some depth to them, some seasoning to them, so that they're more palatable. You see, words are power. Power in words. They can be nutritious. They can be nutrients. Or they can be detriments. Determining the peace and happiness of life. They either make our lives reflect the savor of life. Or they make our lives reflect the savor of death. They're either helpful are hurtful. And he said, you need to let your tongue be seasoned, be governed with this element that purifies. This is what I wrote down. God wants me to be a preservative, not a corrupter of life. And I do that And you do that with that little muscle that works overtime sometimes. At least it does in my life. Amen. He said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I read that and I thought, God, what are you saying? And it seemed as if the Lord spoke to me and said, what I'm talking about is that you are not letting your life 
be governed by yourself, but you are thinking of others before you speak or act or do those things. Wisdom that is from above. It's gracious. Everybody say gracious. Gracious. Amen. I want to live a life that is consistent with what grace means. And I want it to be reflected in my words. And I'm closing. Stand with me if you will. I have a lot more notes, but I'm not going to go into them. Why walk in wisdom? Because when I do, my will is submitted to a higher will and a higher good for my life. And when I live that way, I live more consistently. I live more productively. I live happier. I live more peaceful. Amen. I live filled with His Spirit. Amen. That's the way I want to live is filled with His Spirit. Walking in wisdom. I, I would challenge all of you. I, I'm not going to, to, to go... Uh, any further in our study of this, but I, I really challenge you, go get the book of, of Proverbs and just begin with chapter one and go through and read what, what Solomon had to say about wisdom and, and begin praying, God, let that be reflected in my life. Let that be what is seen by others. Let that be what other people hear coming out of my mouth. Let that be the attitude that governs the way I deal with people and the way I treat people and the way I walk. Because when I walk in wisdom, the blessings of God are going to be upon me. The favor of God is going to be on me. Amen. The blessings of the Lord are going to be bountiful. When I walk in wisdom, when I am governed by a higher principle, God is always going to do me good. Amen. He always is going to do me good. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's his desire. That's when you give God the option, he'll bless you every time. Every time he will give, he, he will bless you abundantly. If you give him the option, but if you choose to not give him that option, the alternatives are not always pleasant. Oh God, help me tonight to walk in wisdom, not just toward those that are without, but in every day of my life. Let me be guided and influenced by those principles, that word that is from above that is pure. Amen. It's clean. Amen. God, help us tonight. Say it with me. Walking in wisdom. That's what we need. Let it govern. Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. God, give me wisdom because I want to know how to be the most effective in this hour. And I cannot do it without the help of God. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. Thankful for your word, Lord, for the goodness of that word that lives forever. God, sometimes it's painful as we walk through that word and how it speaks to us and how it cuts away in our life at the things that don't need to be there and the things that are un pleasing to you and they're 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 displeasing it for your will in my life god and that word has a way it's powerful it's quick and sharp and it, and it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thought and intent of my heart 
And God, it gets down to the very marrow, the very, the very core of my being, Lord. And tonight I have felt that piercing of the word in my life. Help it, help it, God, to produce the right good and the right outcome. And that my life will begin to reflect more and more your beauty, your grace, your goodness, your love, your mercy, your kindness. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. I love you tonight. Thank you for being here. I hope you've gotten something from his word tonight.